Kids say the darnest things, uh, don't they? Um, what's funny is, uh, for some reason, they thought it best to give the youth pastor this scripture this week. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Uh, no, I, I am kidding. Listen, my name is Weston Weaver. If I have not had the opportunity to meet you, I get to serve as the student in connections pastor here alongside my bride, Kelsey, uh, at New Hope. And Pastor Chris and Megan, our lead pastors, man, they are on a well-needed, well-deserved vacation in Fairhope, Alabama. You know that brother couldn't not preach this morning. He's actually preaching over there at Celebration Church. Can we just show some love? Because I know they're going to watch. We love you. Man, we miss you. Man, I, I married Pastor Chris's sister, so he's family, my brother-in-law. And I have to say, man, this is more than just a family affair. This is friendship. This goes so much deeper than that. And can I tell you, because of our leadership and the vision that we have here at New Hope, man, this makes us want to keep going for another 30 years. We are so stoked, so elated for what God is doing. And it's because of that incredible couple. So, so uh, happy that they get to go and do that. But I'm also honored to be on this platform, to be on this stage and to preach this message to you today. I I've entitled this message, A Casual Conversation, because that's what I want to have with you today, A Casual Conversation. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3, John chapter 3, we're going to literally break this entire passage down. I'm just going to read to you, and uh, it's going to be very boring, it's going to be very uh, very eye-opening, it's going to be very ho-hum, and uh, we're just going to have uh, you know, a mediocre time today. Uh, I'm kidding. If you have heard me preach before, you know it's nothing short of mediocre. It's going to be awesome. No, I'm kidding. It's going to be awesome. Listen, I am, I am absolutely ecstatic to be with you guys today. This scripture, this passage, in fact, is, is so deep, man. It is so rich because it's a conversation between Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, and a religious leader named Nicodemus, okay? And instead of explaining it to you, I'm just going to get right into it. You ready? So in verse 1 of John chapter 3, this is how it opens up. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, we know that, who was a Pharisee. And verse 2 says, after dark, one evening, everybody say dark, he came to speak with Jesus. Now, I want to pause here real quick, take a, a quick time out, because whenever I first read this passage, I was immediately taken back to a time in my life where whenever I was a young boy, my parents would go over to these people's house and they would have conversation over coffee right? Anybody ever do that? Come on. And maybe not coffee, but maybe over some meatball stew. Hey, yes, Lord. Maybe over some, some barbecue. Come on. It's summertime right now. Got some sweet tea. We're talking like some good cooking, whatever it may be. But it's the time, man, you guys, like, you guys are so family oriented. Y'all are like inviting people over like, hey, you want to come over today? What are we eating? <laughs> because that is literally like the next thing that we're going to talk about. We're just not going to just come over and just say, hey, we just want to chat and like not have some sort of food substance. Can I get an amen? Right? <laughs> Y'all okay just said that good. That's <laughs> that awesome. But, but watch this. I, I remember whenever I was younger, I was probably four or five. And I remember going over to the, I was probably a little older than that, I'm lying. My memory is horrible. My wife can attest to it. But I just, I do remember going into this house and right there to the left, they had an enclosed den. 
right? Uh, and, and this was actually in, an enclosed garage that they made a den, and they had a den and a living room, which I don't understand why you have like a den and a living room. It, they serve the same purpose, but whatever, you know, I digress. So I remember they made this, this enclosed garage a den, like a place where you just watch TV, and the kids always got sent in there because they wanted to have casual conversations about Christ over coffee. You see the alliteration? That's not really why they, they just wanted to gossip about church. That's really what it came down to. My parents are going to watch this and they are going to be very upset with me, but you know it's true. You want to know why it's true? Because you do the same thing. <laughs> oh, somebody, somebody was appalled. It's a joke. It's just a joke. It's just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Listen, no, it's, it, it's funny. I remember, I remember going in there and we would, man, that's where I watched like my first PG-13 movie. I remember watching Independence Day, Will Smith killing aliens. I was like, this is sick. I like this. I like when mom and dad go over to have coffee with people. This is awesome. Church people are cool, right? <laughs> I remember... <laughs> I remember that time, and this, it, this story reminded me of that. Like, it was evening, we went over, they were having coffee, everything was great. But then I started to get a little older, a little bit more mature, and I started to actually read the Scripture for what it was trying to tell me. Um, Nicodemus wasn't going over for a casual conversation over coffee with Christ. He, he, this wasn't happening. In fact, when I watched the Chosen series, it made that much more sense to me that, that really Nicodemus was going because he wasn't trying to be found out about who he was. He was trying to, in fact, I got this little, uh, this little thing. He was trying to conceal himself. That's why I wore camouflage today, so you can't see me. Ooh. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that joke today. Oh, Pastor Wilson, can't see you. <laughs> it's only second service. <laughs> only second service. <laughs> Buckle up. This is going to be fun. Anyway, but Nicodemus, right, he comes in. He's concealed. He's trying to be secretive because he doesn't want to be found out. Because he's a religious leader, and if, and if he were to be found out that somebody sees him, a Pharisee, a religious leader, who do not like Jesus, who do not like this self-proclaimed Messiah, if, if they see him talking to Jesus, then they're going to start asking questions. And then all of a sudden, his reputation is shattered. So he conceals himself. He goes at dark. I call him Nick at night. <laughs> Y'all found that really funny. <laughs> Got some older people in the room. All right, so I call him Nick at night. He shows up. He's he's. In the shod of darkness, he's trying to be secretive. I'm sure he had some camo on. He's not trying to be seen. He shows up, and he's like, Jesus. Jesus is like, yes. He goes, let me talk to you, bro. Let me talk to you. Can I talk to you? And Jesus is like, yeah, have a seat. It's kind of late. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. Was, this was almost like a drug deal, okay? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> did he just say, like, Jesus and Nicodemus were having a drug deal in church? Yes, I did, okay? I could imagine that this was the kind of secrecy that Nicodemus was, was going about because he didn't want to be found talking to Jesus. How many times do we get like that? 
Step off your toes. <laughs> well, Pastor, what's what you mean? I mean, how many times do we walk into Walmart and we try to wear our camouflage and we try to hide our New Hope stuff because we don't want to be associated with that church. Uh, we, we don't want to be associated with that Jesus, right? We don't want to be associated with that kind of religion. We don't want to be associated with that kind of relationship. How many times do we try to go under the concealment of darkness because we don't want to be found out who we really love? It's going to get good today. <laughs> Listen, Nicodemus didn't want to be found out because of the questions, the comments, and the concerns that he had. And I love what Jesus is about to tell him of this private conversation that we end up finding comes out public. He says in verse 2, he continues, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs and evidence that God is with you. He, he was identifying right there in that moment that Jesus is actually who he says he is, which is important because even though he came under uh, this cloud of darkness and he was trying not to be seen, he still came with this obvious, this obvious, like, like I, I identify who you are. Like, I know who you are. Like, I just don't want to admit it out loud. High Christianity. I, I, I don't want to admit it out loud, but I, but I know who you really are. In verse 3, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. This is where it gets a little sticky. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, again, time out. Don't read it with the sense of Bible Belt Christianese. Because the terminology born again, this is in our everyday vernacular. This is in the religious Eunice, Basil, Iota, Ville Platt, Opelut. Like we all know that this is, this is obvious verbiage that we use every day. But imagine with me Nicodemus hearing this for the first time ever. You must be born again. Like I want you to be birthed again. And you could imagine Nicodemus's response would probably be like mine. Jesus said, what? <laughs> you could imagine in, in the next verse, <laughs> you, you could imagine what he says in verse 4. What do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. He doesn't just say, replied Nicodemus. It doesn't just say, Nicodemus said this. He exclaimed. Like, I see exclaimed as he said, Excuse me. This conversation took a whole left turn. And we're like, um, I, I have to be, I have to, what do I have to do, Jesus? In order to receive the kingdom of God and walk in an inheritance of inheritance that God has called me, you want me to be birthed again. Explain, <laughs> because uh, I don't get it, and that's disgusting. All right, biology 101, you see, when a man, never mind, okay, sorry. <laughs> when a man loves a woman. All right, sorry. <laughs> Pastor Chris is like, why did we ask? No, okay. <laughs> I don't know why we got this scripture today, but buckle up, it's going to be fun. Uh, no, listen, this is, this is <laughs> we have excellent children's services for those of you who have children here. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I, I love this because I could imagine Jesus is, is cracking up on the inside. He's, he's setting this up. And, and in verse 5, the Bible says that Jesus replied. He replied, but I'm sure 
it probably should have said, Jesus jokingly laughed out loud and said, <laughs> because I could imagine this is what Jesus was trying to help him understand that like, no, 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 I, I'm not talking about the physical. You, you, have to, you have to flip your mind right now. You have to flip your thought process because I'm not talking about being born physically, Nicodemus. I'm talking about spiritually going deeper in your relationship with God. I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit, he says. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is in the back of your bulletin. If you want to just cheat and just read ahead, you can. Uh, but number one, I want you to understand that being born again is where believing begins. Being born again is where, is where believing begins. This is a process. This is, this is life, new life, a fresh start. And this is where just the believing process starts. Can I tell you that Kelsey and I, uh, we have three children. Um, she had three children. She birthed all of them. Um, and, and, and I remember whenever the first one came out, Camry, who's about to be five next weekend. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Pray for us. Okay. Um, she's going to be five next weekend. And five years ago, I remember seeing this bundle of joy and laughter and life happen. And, y'all, my life got flipped, turned upside down. Because this young punk trying to make it, trying to please his wife and everything. We were youth pastors in Alabama at the time, and y'all, it, it slapped me upside the face. Like, I didn't know what to expect. And, and I remember, and, and, and those of you who have children, you, you understand this process that, like, the season of new, right? The season of new happened. Like, I had to get a new schedule. I had to wake up. You know, when, when she didn't wake up because I was trying to be a good husband and a good father, but I didn't do so great last night. She was mad at me, just being open, just being very transparent. Uh, <laughs> she's like, you see that little hat moving. Yep. <laughs> like, um, but I remember, I remember my schedule changed. My schedule, I, like I had to get a new schedule. I remember we were living in this thousand square foot little condo apartment in Fairhope, Alabama, and we had a guest bedroom and we we're going to turn it into a nursery, but then we were like... We don't have all the room for all this junk that we got because apparently people like to give baby showers. I don't understand, but we had to get like all new stuff. So we got all these little girl clothes and I'm like, and diapers and stuff. And I'm like wiping and I'm like, what is this? I don't even know. And then five minutes later, she does it all over again. And I'm like, I need a new diaper, new diaper. Hit, hit me up, right? This season of new really took on a new perspective. You, you get what I'm saying? But, but then watch this, we have two more because she couldn't keep her hands off me. Um, I don't look good by mistake, okay? You know what I'm Kidding, it's the other way. Hey. All right, uh, but watch this. I, I remember ha having two more and, and literally we're, we're now in a new season of life. We have a five-month-old, a two-year-old, Jesus, help us, <laughs> who's, who's, mm, she's like a little Sour Patch kid. Oh, 
I love you, but I just want to, uh, anyway, Jesus. Um, and then, and then our five-year-old, and can I tell you, y'all, like every new season, every kid, every new child is a new season. Like we are embarking and then like, we don't even have baby showers anymore. We have baby sprinkles. I need ex an explanation after church. Like I don't just like a little, a little sprinkle. Like you don't get like everything that you first got. You just got like a little bit of just what you need, like diapers. Then like, you don't need all the clothes. You just need some of the clothes because they're just going to be passed down. I don't understand. Help me, Jesus. Right. <laughs> but I just remember like, as we got, when we moved here, we, we were in this new season and, and we had to get a new house and we got to get new vehicles and, and we got to get new outfits because they can't just wear the same old outfit. They got to get a new outfit, right? And we purposefully uh, gave them all the same initials so we didn't have to have as many new outfits because daddy was done, all right? So... KMW, there you go. <laughs> I'm cheap like that, all right? <laughs> Sprinkle that. <laughs> anyway, but I just remember, I just remember like walking in these new seasons and, and even as maybe, maybe you're fresh into your marriage or maybe you're single and uh, whatever the season of life that you're walking in, maybe you're a young person. Listen, there are new seasons that we walk in. There are fresh starts that we have in, in careers and, and in schooling. That's why there's a new grade every year, or at least there's supposed to, but you know, sometimes it just takes some extra effort for some. That's okay. But, but watch this. I, I know this, that, that Jesus had this purposefully in our lives that there are new seasons that we walk through and that's that's on purpose because being born again should be the beginning of starting to believe in him something new a fresh start and can I tell you every season every birth of a new child has brought on its new challenges and it has brought on new memories and but can I tell you that whether you're like me who was saved at seven years old and that was a fresh start for me or maybe you get saved today at 70 no matter what can I tell you Jesus wants you to walk in a fresh start and a new anointing in a new season no matter what your past looks like no matter how dirty how grimacing no matter how nasty you may feel he wants a fresh start for you and it starts by believing in him that's why listen it's not an accident that this whole beginning of the process starts with knowing Jesus you will never hear a message that we close out on a Sunday morning at New Hope never a message without the message of Jesus you won't hear it. Why? Because it starts and it ends with him. And if we're not preaching it, then we're not living it. Then we're not, we're, all we're doing is just being a social gathering uh, at New Hope because we say we're cool, right? No, we don't want to just do that. We want to know him because he's the foundation of our lives. And this whole thing is, is resulting in impacting people's eternity. Why do I say that? Because we believe that if you go through next steps and get involved on a dream team and you're going through small groups, then eventually you can be a part of something like impacting someone's eternity for the cause of Christ so they can know Jesus too, so they can have a fresh start just like you did, just like you're having. And listen, sometimes we're going to have new fresh starts. 
like at 14, at 16, at 18, at 19, at 20, 21. Sometimes you just got to find Jesus all over again. Maybe at 51 and 61. Listen, it's okay for wherever you are, just as long as you start believing in Jesus and you're going to stick with it. He's got a purpose. He's got a promise behind it all. Being born again is where believing begins. That's why John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus was saying here, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm not just talking about physical life. I'm talking about a new spiritual life in him. That's why it matters. That's why it matters. Let's continue reading in John chapter three, verse eight says this, just as you can hear the wind blow, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Nicodemus is confused. He's trying to figure this out. He says, what do you mean? Jesus replies in verse 10, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, I'm telling you what we know and what we've seen, yet you won't believe us. He's trying to help, he's trying to help Nicodemus understand, listen, me and the disciples We've been kicking back. We've been doing all these miracles. We've been doing all the signs and wonders. We've been preaching the gospel everywhere we go. And I'm trying to tell you of the physical evidence that we've seen and that we've been a part of, and yet you won't believe us. You believe that the wind is what it is. I can tell you it's blowing. You can feel it. You can sense it, but you can't tell me where it's coming from or, or really what it is to describe it. You just know, oh, it's cool. Oh, it's not there. Oh, it's humid. Now we're swimming. <laughs> now we're swimming in the air. Y'all, it's hot outside. Jesus. <laughs> Let's continue reading. But you don't even believe me when I tell you these things are happening here on earth. How can you possibly believe me if I tell you what's going on in heaven? Verse 13, for only I, the son of man, have come to the earth and will return to heaven again. Number two, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Seeing is not always believing. Seeing is, is not believing. Why do I tell you that? Because, because even Nicodemus needed to understand that, listen, you can see these things all day long. You can be a witness to these things all day long. But if you're not going to believe it, then what, why am I wasting my breath? What's, what's the point of it? What, what's the concern with it? I, I, listen, why, I, why am I even talking to you? What, listen, this is what I want to tell you today. Nicodemus was sitting in front of the Messiah, Jesus himself. Watch this. Nicodemus had been talking about and, and prophesying and proclaiming that the, that the Messiah would come one day that he would be on this earth, that we would see many signs and wonders and miracles, and we would see these things happen and come to pass. He sees them. He knows that he's sitting across from the Messiah. He knows, even at the beginning of the passage, he even says, man, I know God is with you. I know you're doing great signs, wonders, and miracles. I know these things, but yet I have some questions, Jesus. How many times do we get like that? Jesus, I know you're good. I, I know, mm, like, you've, you've done some really powerful things in my life. Man, Jesus, you've taken me out of this season, and you've placed me in this season. God, I know you've come through for that job opportunity that, like, like I prayed for. Man, Jesus, I know you healed me that one time, but, but oftentimes that's not enough fuel to keep us going for whatever reason. No matter what season we're in, 
We question, we doubt, we have questions. Listen, it's okay to question God. It's okay to have questions for him. But when your questions become doubts and concerns and it begins to affect your walk, then we need to reflect on our principles and on our values. Where does it really lie? Watch this. Uh, no, I didn't get this from a kid for being a good teacher or preacher, okay? Um, I just remember um, growing up and I had a lot of questions. I had a lot of concerns that I would ask my parents. I would ask my grandparents when it came to religion, when it came to church, why do we go to church? Why do we go? Well, we got to. We got to. It's what we do. No, no, no. Can I tell you, I'm not teaching my kids that we have to go to church. No, no, we get to go to church. This is an incredible opportunity to, to love Jesus, to serve the church. Man, do you know, I had to tell my, my little girl Friday night, I, we had just gotten them back Thursday from not having them for like three weeks. <laughs> Jesus, yes, Lord, it was awesome. No, I'm kidding. It, it, was, it was a lot. It was hard. It was hard, but, but we got them back Thursday night, and then Friday I had the opportunity to go preach at, at Crossroads Church for YMI, and I had to explain to my little girl, she's like, Daddy, why are you leaving? said, because daddy gets to go and preach to, to 30 some odd teenagers and tell them about Jesus. I get the opportunity to go and do that. And guess what? She lit up. She's like, oh, okay. Why? Because church is not just something that we have to do. It's not a responsibility that we just have to go and get out of the way on a Sunday morning or one or two times a week. No, no, no. This is something that we get the opportunity to do. And listen, if my little girl, my five-year-old was here today in this room standing right there and I tried to explain to her that when I drop this apple, it's going to fall to the ground, she would probably believe me, right? Because her daddy says, like, it's going to go down. It's going to go down. Get it? Anyway, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> like, it's going to go down and it's going to hit the ground. And she'd probably be like, okay. And then it happens. Man, that apple has been through a lot, y'all. I'm not going to eat that. But anyway, <laughs> what I love about that is, is I, can, I can explain to her, I'm blue in the face, why it fell and the purpose of what it fell. But if I tell her, baby, the reason why it fell was because gravity, she would look at me like I'm an idiot. Why? Because she doesn't understand the principle. She doesn't understand the Newton's law of gravity. She doesn't understand. She can't comprehend it. Her mind, even though her father, who she loves and who she trusts, will tell her, baby, that is gravity. The fact that I'm going to jump up in the air and come back down, is, is, is that, that's gravity. That, that's the only way to explain it to her. She's not going to understand it. But can I tell you, how many times do we get in that same manner, in that same mindset with Jesus? Hey, I'm going to be there for you if you'll just trust me through the process. It's called having a little bit of faith, even though we hear the word faith, even though our God tells us about it. Sometimes we don't want to believe it because it's faith. And sometimes you just got to faith it through it. How many times have we heard that? Seeing is not believing. Seeing is trusting God through the process, no matter how ugly or no matter how crazy it gets sometimes, no matter how rocky the boat gets. Are you going to trust Jesus when it matters most through the seasons that don't feel comfortable? Because I'm not going to, be, I'm not going to depend on my past for what God has done in my life just solely on that. I'm going to look towards the future and trust that he holds my tomorrow. And if I'm going to trust that he holds my tomorrow, then guess what? I don't have to worry about it. 
I don't have to fret over it. I don't have to be so concerned or get all worked up. I'm going to trust to know that he's going to bring me back down right safely where he has me to be. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Seeing is not believing. In fact, seeing can be misconceiving. We see something, therefore we expect it to happen or come through just like we saw it before. But sometimes God does a new thing, like being born again, new life, fresh start. What you can see is often not what you would get. That's why, unfortunately, we're raising a generation that's addicted to the synthetic. They're addicted to the fantasy. Don't believe me? Hand a 14-year-old a phone. Don't give them any accountability. Don't give them any restrictions. Give them an open web browser and see what they do in 15 minutes. And, and then fast forward 15 years later and see what their marriage looks like, if, if they are still married. Why? Because we're looking for a spouse that doesn't exist. Because our brain and our pathways and the dopamine that happens and takes place in our mindset, it does not produce something that's real or authentic or genuine. It's something of the synthetic. We're comparing ourselves to people's highlight reels. You're not going to take an ugly picture and post it. I mean, some people do. <laughs> but not you. <laughs> like, people, people wake up, makeup on, woke up like this. Girl, you a lie. And if you did wake up like this, you need to wash your face <laughs> and do something. <laughs> Wash your hair, hey, <laughs> sticking up. I just, I just, look at that. My hair's perfect. It's, it's great, right? No, we're, we're watching people's highlight reel. People are going to post the best picture of themselves, and you're going to like it. Why? Because you do the same thing. You're not going to post the worst of yourself. You're going to post the best of yourself. And too many times we're comparing other people's lifestyle off of their highlight reel, off of the best of themselves. And then we wonder why we don't have what they have or why we're not like what they are. But God never called you to identify with them. He called you to identify with him. I don't have to be basing my lifestyle off of the synthetic and something fake and something fantasy when I have the authentic right here. And who he's called me to be with. I don't have to try, to try to conjure up something to be fake or informal. No, God has called me to live this life authentically. Sometimes we, we get a young person struggling with an identity crisis, searching for someone who, do, who does not exist, let alone someone who would fulfill a desire or a satisfaction or a lust problem that they have conjured up because they have chosen not to deal with purity. Pastor Weston, that's hard. No, church, that's the truth. We've, youth, we've been youth pastoring for 10 years now. I've seen the progression. I've seen the process. We are inundated with screen time every day of our lives, and then we wonder why we don't believe in Jesus when he shows us or does something miraculous right in front of our eyes, but yet we say, nah, I don't believe it. Seeing is not believing. Do we love Jesus based off of what we've seen him do? 
or what he's yet to do? Do, do we follow him based off of what he's done in our past? And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm grateful for what he's done. But I'm so looking forward to the anticipation of what he continues to do every day. Guys, he amazes me, blesses our socks off. And I'm so thankful. So many times I'm like, God, you, you, can't, you can't just, you can't outdo yourself. You've done so many great and mighty things. But yet he continues to outshine even himself every single time. Why? Because he's a good, good father. Because he's so good. He's so loving. He's so caring. John chapter 3, verse 14. Let's continue to read. And as Moses lifted up on the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so I, the Son of Man, must be lifted up on a pole, a cross. Verse 15. So that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone in the Greek that means everybody everybody everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life and then oftentimes we stop right there oh man that's so good John three sixteen. come on somebody but then John three seventeen says that he didn't come God did not send his son into the world to condemn it but to save it come on that's good news he came to save us. He came to save us. When it comes to salvation, Jesus was trying to get Nicodemus to understand that, that there is this external, this eternal exchange that must take place. In fact, Jesus was referencing it with Moses in Numbers chapter 21 and verses 8 and 9. Just as you saw the, the bronze snake lifted up on a pole and and basically the story goes that, that they were literally in, in, they were dying, they were, they were sick, they had iniquities, they were snake bitten, and they had to be healed. And the only way that the people of Israel could be healed is if they looked upon this bronze snake that they had made. You ever seen an ambulance with a pole and the snake? Y'all, that's biblical. That, that healing would come. That healing would take place. And in the same way that the snake was lifted up on a pole, Jesus was lifted up on the cross for this, extern this eternal exchange to happen for you and for me. That he would take your robes of wickedness and exchange them for robes of righteousness. He would take your crown of thorns and exchange them for a crown of glory. He would take all your sins, all your transgressions, all your iniquities, all your shame, all your guilt, all your regrets, and he would change them and exchange Exchange them for love and grace and mercy and goodness and life and life to the full. He did that for us. He didn't come to condemn you. When you feel condemnation, that is not Jesus. And don't mistake condemnation for conviction. Because conviction is supposed to help you be better. It's supposed to help you be godly. It's supposed to help you be the believer that you chose to be when you said, I want to be born again. That's the exchange that takes place that Jesus did for you and for me so we could have life and have it to the full. But so many times we get to this place where, man, God, I, I really don't know. I, maybe. Maybe I can, maybe I can't, maybe I'll go all in, but this lifestyle feels so good. 
And it's so appealing for such a, a season of life. Can I tell you number three, what we're in right now? Man, he wants to take my sin for his salvation. He wants to exchange it. He wants to have this encounter with you that you understand that you don't have to hold on to it. You don't have to hold on to the sin. Give that away. You don't have to hold on to the regrets of your past. You don't have to hold on to that shame. Can I tell you what you've done is not who you are. That's not your identity. When you decide to walk in him and walk in his will, you bring on this new identity in him. It's time to give that away and give it to him and let him do the work because he's already done it. As we continue reading in verse 18, it says, There is no judgment awaiting those who trust in him. Now, a lot of times this gets taken out of context and it gets compared to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, which says, judge lest you be judged. Pastor Weston, judge lest you be judged. You can't judge me because I trust in God and I know he holds my tomorrow just like you Kids say the darnest things, uh, don't they? Um, what's funny is, uh, for some reason, they thought it best to give the youth pastor this scripture this week. <laughs> It's going to be fun. Uh, no, I, I am kidding. Listen, my name is Weston Weaver. If I have not had the opportunity to meet you, I get to serve as the Student in Connections pastor here alongside my bride, Kelsey, uh, at New Hope. And Pastor Chris and Megan, our lead pastors, man, they are on a well-needed, well-deserved vacation in Fairhope, Alabama. You know that brother couldn't not preach this morning. He's actually preaching over there at Celebration Church. Can we just show some love? because I know they're going to watch. We love you. Man, we miss you. Man, I, I married Pastor Chris's sister, so he's family, my brother-in-law. And I have to say, man, this is more than just a family affair. This is friendship. This goes so much deeper than that. And can I tell you, because of our leadership and the vision that we have here at New Hope, man, this makes us want to keep going for another 30 years. We are so stoked, so elated for what God is doing, and it's because of that incredible couple. So, so uh, happy that they get to go and do that, but I'm also honored to be on this platform, to be on this stage, and to preach this message to you today. I, I've entitled this message, A Casual Conversation because that's what I want to have with you today, a casual conversation. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, we're going to literally break this entire passage down. I'm just going to read to you, and uh, it's going to be very boring. It's going to be very uh, very eye-opening. It's going to be very ho-hum, and uh, we're just going to have uh, you know, a mediocre time today. Uh, I'm kidding. If you have heard me preach before, you know it's nothing short of mediocre. It's going to be awesome. No, I'm kidding. It's going to be awesome. Listen, I am, I am absolutely ecstatic to be with you guys today. This scripture, this passage, in fact, is, is so deep, man. It is so rich because it's a conversation between Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, and a religious leader named Nicodemus, okay? And instead of explaining it to you, I'm just going to get right into it. You ready? So in verse 1 of John chapter 3, this is how it opens up. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, we know that, who was a Pharisee. And verse 2 says, after dark one evening, everybody say dark. 
He came to speak with Jesus. Now, I want to pause here real quick, take a, a quick time out, because whenever I first read this passage, I was immediately taken back to a time in my life where whenever I was a young boy, my parents would go over to these people's house and they would have conversation over coffee, right? Anybody ever do that? Come on, and maybe not coffee, but maybe over some meatball stew. Hey, yes, Lord. Maybe over some, some barbecue. Come on, it's summertime right now. Got some sweet tea. We're talking like some good cooking, whatever it may be. But it's the time, man, you guys, like, you guys are so family oriented. Y'all are like inviting people over, like, hey, you want to come over today? What are we eating? <laughs> because that is literally like the next thing that we're going to talk about. We're just not going just come over and just say, hey, we just want to chat and like not have some sort of food substance. Can I get an amen? Right? <laughs> Y'all okay just said that good. That's <laughs> that awesome. But, but watch this. I, I remember whenever I was younger, I was probably four or five. And I remember going over to the, I was probably a little older than that. I'm lying. My memory is horrible. My wife can attest to it. But I just, I do remember going into this house and right there to the left, they had an enclosed den right? Uh, and, and this was actually in, an enclosed garage that they made a den, and they had a den and a living room, which I don't understand why you have like a den and a living room. It, they serve the same purpose, but whatever, you know, I digress. So I remember they made this, this enclosed garage a den, like a place where you just watch TV. And the kids always got sent in there because they wanted to have casual conversations about Christ over coffee. You see the alliteration? That's not really why they, they just wanted to gossip about church. That's really what it came down to. My parents are going to watch this and they are going to be very upset with me, but you know, it's true. You want to know why it's true? Because you do the same thing. <laughs> oh, somebody, somebody was appalled. It's a joke. It's just a joke. It's just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Listen, no, it's, it, it's funny. I remember, I remember going in there and we would, man, that's where I watched like my first PG-13 movie. I remember watching Independence Day, Will Smith killing aliens. I was like, this is sick. I like this. I like when mom and dad go over to have coffee with people. This is awesome. Church people are cool, right? <laughs> I remember... <laughs> I remember that time, and this, it, this story reminded me of that. Like, it was evening, we went over, they were having coffee, everything was great. But then I started to get a little older, a little bit more mature, and I started to actually read the Scripture for what it was trying to tell me. Um, Nicodemus wasn't going over for a casual conversation over coffee with Christ. He, he, this wasn't happening. In fact, when I watched the Chosen series, it made that much more sense to me that, that really Nicodemus was going because he wasn't trying to be found out about who he was. He was trying to, in fact, I got this little, uh, this little thing. He was trying to conceal himself. That's why I wore camouflage today, so you can't see me. Ooh. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that joke today. Oh, Pastor Russell, can't see you. <laughs> it's only second service. <laughs> only second service. <laughs> Buckle up. This is going to be fun. Anyway, but Nicodemus, right, he comes in. He's concealed. He's trying to be secretive because he doesn't want to be found out. Because he's a religious leader. And if, and if he were to be found out that somebody sees him, a Pharisee, a religious leader, who do not like Jesus, who do not like this self-proclaimed Messiah, if 
If they see him talking to Jesus, then they're going to start asking questions. And then all of a sudden, his reputation is shattered. So he conceals himself. He goes at dark. I call him Nick at night. <laughs> Y'all found that really funny. <laughs> Got some older people in the room. All right, so I call him Nick at night. He shows up. He's he's. In the shod of darkness, he's trying to be secretive. I'm sure he had some camo on. He's not trying to be seen. He shows up, and he's like, Jesus. Jesus is like, yes. He goes, let me talk to you, bro. Let me talk to you. Can I talk to you? And Jesus is like, yeah, have a seat. It's kind of late. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. Was, this was almost like a drug deal, okay? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> did he just say, like, Jesus and Nicodemus were having a drug deal in church? Yes, I did, okay? I could imagine that this was the kind of secrecy that Nicodemus was, was going about because he didn't want to be found talking to Jesus. How many times do we get like that? Step off your toes. <laughs> Man, Pastor, what's what you mean? I mean, how many times do we walk into Walmart and we try to wear our camouflage and we try to hide our New Hope stuff because we don't want to be associated with that church? Uh, we, we don't want to be associated with that Jesus, right? We don't want to be associated with that kind of religion. We don't want to be associated with that kind of relationship. How many times do we try to go under the concealment of darkness because we don't want to be found out who we really love? It's going to get good today. <laughs> Listen, Nicodemus didn't want to be found out because of the questions, the comments, and the concerns that he had. And I love what Jesus is about to tell him of this private conversation that we end up finding comes out public. He says in verse 2, he continues, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs and evidence that God is with you. He, he was identifying right there in that moment that Jesus is actually who he says he is, which is important because even though he came under uh, this cloud of darkness and he was trying not to be seen, he still came with this obvious, this obvious, like, like I, I identify who you are. Like, I know who you are. Like, I just don't want to admit it out loud. High Christianity. I, I, I don't want to admit it out loud, but I, but I know who you really are. In verse 3, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. This is where it gets a little sticky. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, again, time out. Don't read it with the sense of Bible Belt Christianese. Because the terminology born again, this is in our everyday vernacular. This is in the religious Eunice, Basil, Iota, Vilplat, Opelut. Like, we all know that this is, this is obvious verbiage that we use every day. But imagine with me Nicodemus hearing this for the first time ever. You must be born again. Like, I want you to be birthed again. And you could imagine Nicodemus's response would probably be like mine. Jesus said, what? <laughs> you could imagine in, in the next verse, <laughs> you, you could imagine what he says in verse 4. What do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. He doesn't just say, replied Nicodemus. It doesn't just say, Nicodemus said this. He exclaimed, like I see exclaimed as he said, excuse me, 
This conversation took a whole left turn. And we were like, um, I, I have to be, I have to, what do I have to do, Jesus? In order to receive the kingdom of God and walk in an inheritance, of, inheritance that God has called me, you want me to be birthed again. Explain, <laughs> because uh, I don't get it, and that's disgusting. All right, biology 101, you see, when a man, never mind, okay, sorry. <laughs> when a man loves a woman. All right, sorry. <laughs> Pastor Chris is like, why did we ask? No, okay. <laughs> I don't know why we got this scripture today, but buckle up, it's going to be fun. Uh, no, listen, this is, this is <laughs> we have excellent children services for those of you who have children here. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I, I love this because I could imagine Jesus is, is cracking up on the inside. He's, he's setting this up. And, and in verse 5, the Bible says that Jesus replied. He replied, but I'm sure it, it probably should have said Jesus jokingly laughed out loud and said, <laughs> because I could imagine this is what Jesus was trying to help him understand that like, no, 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 I, I'm not talking about the physical. You have, to, you have to flip your mind right now. You have to flip your thought process because I'm not talking about being born physically, Nicodemus. I'm talking about spiritually going deeper in your relationship with God. I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit, he says. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is in the back of your bulletin. If you want to just cheat and just read ahead, you can. Uh, but number one, I want you to understand that being born again is where believing begins. Being born again is where, is where believing begins. This is a process. This is, this is life new life, a fresh start. And this is where just the believing process starts. Can I tell you that Kelsey and I, uh, we have three children. Um, she had three children. She birthed all of them. Um, and, and I remember whenever the first one came out, Camry, who's about to be five next weekend. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Pray for us. Okay. Um, She's going to be five next weekend, and five years ago, I remember seeing this bundle of joy and laughter and life happen, and y'all, my life got flipped, turned upside down, because this young punk trying to make it, trying to please his wife and everything, we were youth pastors in Alabama at the time, and y'all, it, it slapped me upside the face, like, I didn't know what to expect, and I remember, and, and, and those of you who have children, you, you understand this process that like the season of new, right? The season of new happened. Like I had to get a new schedule. I had to wake up, you know, when, when she didn't wake up because I was trying to be a good husband and a good father, but I didn't do so great last night. She was mad at me, just being open, just being very transparent. Uh, <laughs> she's like, you see that little hat moving. Yep. <laughs> like, um... But I remember, I remember my schedule changed. My schedule, I, like I had to get a new schedule. I remember we were living in this thousand square foot little condo apartment in Fairhope, Alabama, and we had a guest bedroom and we we're gonna turn it into a nursery. But then we were like, we don't have all the room for all this junk that we got because apparently people like to give baby showers. 
I don't understand, but we had to get like all new stuff. So we got all these little girl clothes and I'm like, and diapers and stuff. And I'm like wiping and I'm like, what is this? I don't even know. And then five minutes later, she does it all over again. And I'm like, I need a new diaper, new diaper. Hit, hit me up, right? The season of new really took on a new perspective. You, you get what I'm saying? But, but then watch this. We have two more because she couldn't keep her hands off me. Um, <laughs> I don't look good by mistake, okay? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Kidding, it's the other way. Hey. <laughs> All right, uh, but watch this. I, I remember ha- having two more, and, and literally we're, we're now in a new season of life. We have a five-month-old, a two-year-old. Jesus, help us. <laughs> who's, who's, mm, he's just like a little Sour Patch kid. Get, 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 oh, I love you, but I just want to, mm. anyway, Jesus. Um, and then, and then our five-year-old, and can I tell you, y'all, like every new season, every kid, every new child is a new season. Like we are embarking and then like, we don't even have baby showers anymore. We have baby sprinkles. I need ex- an, an explanation after church. Like, I don't just like a little, a little sprinkle. Like you don't get like everything that you first got. You just got like a little bit of just what you need, like diapers and like, you don't need all the clothes. You just need some of the clothes because they're just going to be passed. Down. I don't understand. Help me, Jesus. Right. <laughs> but I just remember like, as we got, when we moved here, we, we were in this new season and, and we had to get a new house and we got to get new vehicles and, and we got to get new outfits because they can't just wear the same old outfit. They got to get a new outfit, right? And we purposefully uh, gave them all the same initials so we didn't have to have as many new outfits because daddy was done, all right? So KMW, there you go. <laughs> I'm cheap like that, all right? <laughs> Sprinkle that. <laughs> anyway. But I just remember, I just remember like walking in these new seasons and, and even as maybe, maybe you're fresh into your marriage or maybe you're single and uh, whatever the season of life that you're walking in, maybe you're a young person. Listen, there are new seasons that we walk in. There are fresh starts that we have in, in careers and, and in schooling. That's why there's a new grade every year, or at least there's supposed to, but you know, sometimes it just takes some extra effort for some. That's okay. But, but watch this. I, I know this, that, that Jesus had this purposefully in our lives that there are new seasons that we walk through and that's that's on purpose because being born again should be the beginning of starting to believe in him something new a fresh start and can I tell you every season every birth of a new child has brought on its new challenges and it has brought on new memories and but can I tell you that whether you're like me who was saved at seven years old and that was a fresh start for me or maybe you get saved today at 70 no matter what can I tell you Jesus wants you to walk in a fresh start and a new anointing and a new season no matter what your past looks like no matter how dirty how grimacing no matter how nasty you may feel he wants a fresh start for you and it starts by believing in him that's why listen it's not an accident that this whole beginning of the process starts with knowing Jesus you will never hear a message that we close out on a Sunday morning at New Hope never a message without the message of Jesus 
You won't hear it. Why? Because it starts and it ends with him. And if we're not preaching it, then we're not living it. Then we're not, we're, all we're doing is just being a social gathering uh, at New Hope because we say we're cool, right? No, we don't want to just do that. We want to know him because he's the foundation of our lives. And this whole thing is, is resulting in impacting people's eternity. Why do I say that? Because we believe that if you go through next steps and get involved on a dream team and you're going through small groups, then eventually you can be a part of something like impacting someone's eternity for the cause of Christ so they can know Jesus too, so they can have a fresh start just like you did, just like you're having. And listen, sometimes we're going to have new fresh starts. Like at 14, at 16, at 18, at 19, at 20, 21, sometimes you just got to find Jesus all over again. Maybe at 51 and 61. Listen, it's okay for wherever you are, just as long as you start believing in Jesus and you're going to stick with it. He's got a purpose. He's got a promise behind it all. Being born again is where believing begins. That's why John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus was saying here, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm not just talking about physical life. I'm talking about a new spiritual life in him. That's why it matters. That's why it matters. Let's continue reading in John chapter 3, verse 8 says this. Just as you can hear the wind blow, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Nicodemus is confused. He's trying to figure this out. He says, what do you mean? Jesus replies in verse 10, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, I'm telling you what we know and what we've seen, yet you won't believe us. He's trying to help, he's trying to help Nicodemus understand, listen, me and the disciples We've been kicking back. We've been doing all these miracles. We've been doing all the signs and wonders. We've been preaching the gospel everywhere we go. And I'm trying to tell you of the physical evidence that we've seen and that we've been a part of, and yet you won't believe us. You believe that the wind is what it is. I can tell you it's blowing. You can feel it. You can sense it, but you can't tell me where it's coming from or, or really what it is to describe it. You just know, oh, it's cool. Oh, it's not there. Oh, it's humid. Now we're swimming. <laughs> now we're swimming in the air. Y'all, it's hot outside. Jesus. <laughs> Let's continue reading. But you don't even believe me when I tell you these things are happening here on earth. How can you possibly believe me if I tell you what's going on in heaven? Verse 13, for only I, the son of man, have come to the earth and will return to heaven again. Number two, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Seeing is not always believing. Seeing is, is not believing. Why do I tell you that? Because, because even Nicodemus needed to understand that, listen, you can see these things all day long. You can be a witness to these things all day long. But if you're not going to believe it, then what, why am I wasting my breath? What's, what's the point of it? What, what's the concern with it? I, I, listen, why, I, why am I even talking to you? What, listen, this is what I want to tell you today. Nicodemus was sitting in front of the Messiah, Jesus himself. Watch this. Nicodemus had been talking about and, and prophesying and proclaiming that the, that the Messiah would come one day. 
that he would be on this earth, that we would see many signs and wonders and miracles, and we would see these things happen and come to pass. He sees them. He knows that he's sitting across from the Messiah. He knows, even at the beginning of the passage, he even says, man, I know God is with you. I know you're doing great signs, wonders, and miracles. I know these things, but yet I have some questions, Jesus. How many times do we get like that? Jesus, I know you're good. I, I know, mm, like you've, you've done some really powerful things in my life. Man, Jesus, you've taken me out of this season and you've placed me in this season. God, I know you've come through for that job opportunity like, like, like I prayed for. Man, Jesus, I know you healed me that one time, but, but oftentimes that's not enough fuel to keep us going for whatever reason. No matter what season we're in, we question, we doubt, we have questions. Listen, it's okay to question God. It's okay to have questions for him. But when your questions become doubts and concerns and it begins to affect your walk, then we need to reflect on our principles and on our values. Where does it really lie? Watch this. Uh, no, I didn't get this from a kid for being a good teacher or preacher, okay? Um, I just remember... Um, growing up, and I had a lot of questions. I had a lot of concerns that I would ask my parents. I would ask my grandparents when it came to religion, when it came to church. Why do we go to church? Why do we go? Well, we got to. We got to. It's what we do. No, no, no. Can I tell you, I, I'm not teaching my kids that we have to go to church. No, no, we get to go to church. This is an incredible opportunity to, to love Jesus, to serve the church. Man, do you know I had to tell my, my little girl Friday night, I, we had just gotten them back Thursday from not having them for like three weeks. <laughs> Jesus, yes, Lord, it was awesome. No, I'm kidding. It, it, was, it was a lot. It was hard. It was hard, but, but we got them back Thursday night, and then Friday I had the opportunity to go preach at, at Crossroads Church for YMI, and I had to explain to my little girl, she's like, Daddy, why are you leaving? I said, because Daddy gets to go and preach to 30-some-odd to teenagers and tell them about Jesus. I get the opportunity to go and do that. And guess what? She lit up. She's like, oh, okay. Why? Because church is not just something that we have to do. It's not a responsibility that we just have to go and get out of the way on a Sunday morning or one or two times a week. No, no, no. This is something that we get the opportunity to do. And listen, if my little girl, my five-year-old was here today in this room standing right there, and I tried to explain to her that when I drop this apple, it's going to fall to the ground, she would probably believe me, right? Because her daddy says, like, it's going to go down. It's going to go down. Get it? Anyway, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> like, it's going to go down, and it's going to hit the ground. And she'd probably be like, okay, and then it happens. Man, that apple has been through a lot, y'all. I'm not going to eat that. But anyway, <laughs> what I love about that is, is I, can, I can explain to her, I'm blue in the face, why it fell and the purpose of what it fell. But if I tell her, baby, the reason why it fell was because gravity, she would look at me like I'm an idiot. Why? Because she doesn't understand the principle. She doesn't understand the Newton's law of gravity. She doesn't understand. She can't comprehend it. Her mind, even though her father, who she loves and who she trusts, will tell her, baby, that is gravity. The fact that I'm going to jump up in the air and come back down, is, is, is that, that's gravity. That, that's the only way to explain it to her. She's not going to understand it. But can I tell you 
How many times do we get in that same manner, in that same mindset with Jesus? Hey, I'm going to be there for you if you'll just trust me through the process. It's called having a little bit of faith, even though we hear the word faith, even though our God tells us about it. Sometimes we don't want to believe it because it's faith. And sometimes you just got to faith it through it. How many times have we heard that? Seeing is not believing. Seeing is trusting God through the process, no matter how ugly or no matter how crazy it gets sometimes, no matter how rocky the boat gets. Are you going to trust Jesus when it matters most through the seasons that don't feel comfortable? Because I'm not going to, be, I'm not going to depend on my past for what God has done in my life just solely on that. I'm going to look towards the future and trust that he holds my tomorrow. And if I'm going to trust that he holds my tomorrow, then guess what? I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to fret over it. I don't have to be so concerned or get all worked up. I'm going to trust and know that he's going to bring me back down right safely where he has me to be. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Seeing is not believing. In fact, seeing can be misconceiving. We see something, therefore we expect it to happen or come through just like we saw it before. But sometimes God does a new thing, like being born again, new life, fresh start. What you can see is often not what you would get. That's why, unfortunately, we're raising a generation that's addicted to the synthetic. They're addicted to the fantasy. Don't believe me? Hand a 14-year-old a phone. Don't give them any accountability. Don't give them any restrictions. Give them an open web browser and see what they do in 15 minutes. And, and then fast forward 15 years later and see what their marriage looks like, if, if they are still married. Why? Because we're looking for a spouse that doesn't exist. Because our brain and our pathways and the dopamine that happens and takes place in our mindset, it does not produce something that's real or authentic or genuine. It's something of the synthetic. We're comparing ourselves to people's highlight reels. You're not going to take an ugly picture and post it. I mean, some people do. <laughs> but not you. Like, people, people wake up, makeup on, woke up like this. Girl, you a lie. And if you did wake up like this, you need to wash your face <laughs> and do something. <laughs> wash your hair, hey. <laughs> Sticking up. I just, I just, look at that. My hair's perfect. It's, it's great, right? No, we're, we're watching people's highlight reel. People are going to post the best picture of themselves, and you're going to like it. Why? Because you do the same thing. You're not going to post the worst of yourself. You're going to post the best of yourself. And too many times we're comparing other people's lifestyle off of their highlight reel, off of the best of themselves. And then we wonder why we don't have what they have or why we're not like what they are. But God never called you to identify with them. He called you to identify with him. I don't have to be basing my lifestyle off of the synthetic and something fake and something fantasy when I have the authentic right here and who he's called me to be with. I don't have to try to, try to conjure up something to be fake 
or informal. No, God has called me to live this life authentically. Sometimes we, we get a young person struggling with an identity crisis, searching for someone who, do, who does not exist, let alone someone who would fulfill a desire or a satisfaction or a lust problem that they have conjured up because they have chosen not to deal with purity. Pastor Weston, that's hard. No, church, that's the truth. We've, youth, we've been youth pastoring for 10 years now. I've seen the progression. I've seen the process. We are inundated with screen time every day of our lives, and then we wonder why we don't believe in Jesus when he shows us or does something miraculous right in front of our eyes, but yet we say, nah, I don't believe it. Seeing is not believing. Do we love Jesus based off of what we've seen him do or what he's yet to do? Do, do we follow him based off of what he's done in our past? And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm grateful for what he's done. But I'm so looking forward to the anticipation of what he continues to do every day. Guys, he amazes me, blesses our socks off. And I'm so thankful. So many times I'm like, God, you, you, can't, you can't just, you can't outdo yourself. You've done so many great and mighty things. But yet he continues to outshine even himself every single time. Why? Because he's a good, good father. Because he's so good. He's so loving. He's so caring. John chapter 3, verse 14. Let's continue to read. And as Moses lifted up on the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so I, the Son of Man, must be lifted up on a pole, a cross. Verse 15. So that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone in the greek that means everybody everybody everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life and then oftentimes we stop right there oh man that's so good john 3:16 come on somebody but then john 3:17 says that he didn't come god did not send his son into the world to condemn it but to save it come on that's good news he came to save us. He came to save us. When it comes to salvation, Jesus was trying to get Nicodemus to understand that, that there is this external, this eternal exchange that must take place. In fact, Jesus was referencing it with Moses in Numbers chapter 21 and verses 8 and 9. Just as you saw the, the bronze snake lifted up on a pole and and basically the story goes that, that they were literally in, in, they were dying, they were, they were sick, they had iniquities, they were snake bitten, and they had to be healed. And the only way that the people of Israel could be healed is if they looked upon this bronze snake that they had made. You ever seen an ambulance with a pole and the snake? Y'all, that's biblical. That, that healing would come. That healing would take place. And in the same way that the snake was lifted up on a pole, Jesus was lifted up on the cross for this, this eternal exchange to happen for you and for me. That he would take your robes of wickedness and exchange them for robes of righteousness. He would take your crown of thorns and exchange them for a crown of glory. He would take all your sins, all your transgressions, all your iniquities, all your shame, all your guilt, all your regrets, and he would change them and exchange 
exchange them for love and grace and mercy and goodness and life and life to the full. He did that for us. He didn't come to condemn you. When you feel condemnation, that is not Jesus. And don't mistake condemnation for conviction. Because conviction is supposed to help you be better. It's supposed to help you be godly. It's supposed to help you be the believer that you chose to be when you said, I want to be born again. That's the exchange that takes place that Jesus did for you and for me so we could have life and have it to the full. But so many times we get to this place where, man, God, I, I really don't know. I, maybe. Maybe I can, maybe I can't, maybe I'll go all in, but this lifestyle feels so good and it's so appealing for such a, a season of life. Can I tell you, number three, what we're in right now? Man, he wants to take my sin for his salvation. He wants to exchange it. He wants to have this encounter with you that you understand that you don't have to hold on to it. You don't have to hold on to the sin. Give that away. You don't have to hold on to the regrets of your past. You don't have to hold on to that shame. Can I tell you what you've done is not who you are. That's not your identity. When you decide to walk in him and walk in his will, you bring on this new identity in him. It's time to give that away and give it to him and let him do the work because he's already done it. As we continue reading in verse 18, it says, There is no judgment awaiting those who trust in him. Now, a lot of times this gets taken out of context and it gets compared to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, which says, Judge lest you be judged. Pastor Weston, judge lest you be judged. You can't judge me because I trust in God and I know he holds my tomorrow, just like you said. Judge lest you be judged. Can't be judging me. Listen. <laughs> First of all, let me tell you something. Would you rather be judged by God or by me? <laughs> and, and listen, listen, I, I get the vernacular, like the, the different, like, oh, gosh, Pastor Weston, are you saying, like, you're judging people? No, we don't do that here at New Hope. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, that's a joke, for real, for real. But I have heard a pastor say this, that we as believers are not called to be judged. We're, we're not judge and jury and executioner. No, like, like we don't do any of that. God is the only judge, but he has called you to be a fruit inspector. That means I get the opportunity to inspect the fruit that you do or do not have. Are you producing the fruit that God has placed in you? What are you doing with the gifts, the talents, the abilities? What are you doing with the salvation that he has gifted you with? Are you producing fruit? Are you producing yourself, good or bad? Are you producing the salvation which God has placed in your life? What are you doing with it? How are you letting the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you and direct you? Or are we? And we've got to get to a place where we just let God do what he's supposed to do in our lives. Listen, I, I just, people judging me all the time. I, I feel, I, I trust in God. Listen, if, if you're living how we're, if we're living how we're supposed to be living, then it doesn't matter what ha people have to say about us. And, and listen, don't just let anybody speak into your life. Anything that somebody has to prophesy over you about, 
it should be confirmed and affirmed in the Word of God or should be confirmed in something that you've already heard or sensed from the Holy Spirit. Yes, you should be in tune with the Holy Spirit. It should confirm that. It should affirm something that's already in you. Don't sell yourself short. You're just as anointed and gifted in a, in, and have this ability as I do. Don't put me on a different standard or a different platform just because I have a title of a pastor. You're just as called and anointed as I am. I preached to almost 400 kids a couple weeks ago. And I, and I had to tell them, I had to help them understand because certain people had certain giftings and callings and abilities that were in an altar, but yet there were students sitting out in the audience that felt like, well, what about me? Do I not have anything? No, everybody is called. Every, every single person in this room is called. You may not preach it necessarily from a platform, but you're gonna preach it all the same in Walmart and at Sean Pond's and at your workplace. Come on, we should live this thing out and preach this thing out everywhere that we go. Verse 19, their judgment is based off of this fact. The light of heaven came into this world, but they loved the darkness more than they loved the light for their actions were evil. They hate the light because they want to sin in the darkness. They stay away from the light for fear their sins will be exposed and they will be punished. Hello, human race. We don't want to be exposed. We, we, don't want, we don't want to shine the light on our lives. We don't want to. Why? Because punishment and consequences don't feel good. Why do you think adultery happens in secrecy? What? I know that's heavy. Why, why do you think when teenagers cheat on a test, they do this? They look real innocent. Why do you think when you ask a teenager for their phone, they get all nervous? When, when am I gonna have it back? When I give it back. Can I, can I do something real quick? No, you cannot clear your history. Because <laughs> a cleared history is a guilty history. <laughs> Daddy's taking away phones this afternoon. It's going down. <laughs> Give me your phone. Why? Because Pastor Wesson said so. <laughs> Y'all, punishment doesn't, consequences for our actions don't feel good. But can I tell you, it's in scripture. That's why Luke chapter eight, verse 17 says, for there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Numbers chapter 32, verse 23, but if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sins will find you out. We have the option and we have the choice. We can either let sin find us out and be embarrassed by the end, or we can be honest, open, and transparent on the beginning, on the front end, and say, here I am. Bring on the consequences. I deserve it. I've sinned. I've fallen short. Can I tell you the best day of my life is when my wife exposed me for my lies. Just being open. The best day of my life. Why? Because that was a huge weight of manipulation and lies that I had conjured up. I had an addiction, but now I have help. 
Now I have accountability. Now any day, every day of the week, she can take my phone, she can have it, she can look at it. Why? Because I have nothing to hide. Are you ready for the good news? Because this is hard. This doesn't feel great. Verse 21, but those who do what is right, they come into the light gladly. So everyone can see that they are doing what God wants. That would be as if it was pitch black and it was dark. That's pretty good, huh? <laughs> if, if it was dark and, and you couldn't see me now, I know like with the TVs and my bright stinking iPad up here shining in my face, I know many of you, you obviously can see me, but you can't see clearly everything that I do. If I were to come and, and hunker down and be secretive and be concealing and, and conniving, if I would try to hide the things that I were doing, then you wouldn't trust me very much, would you? But yet God's light appears in our life for a reason. It shines bright in the darkness. It shines so we can come to it gladly, boldly, courageously, no matter what. It shines so we can try to find a way to it. And when it does, it is our responsibility to step into the light with everything that we have. What kind of pastor, what kind of preacher, what kind of man of God would I be if I lived like this for seven days, six days out of the week, but yet on Sunday, oh, here I am. Hey, good to see y'all. Oh man, love you, bro. And I put on a happy face and I act like everything's going but yet on the rest of the days of the week, I try to hide, I try to conceal, I try to be somebody I'm not supposed to be. Help me. What kind of pastor would I be? What kind of man of God would I be? Listen, I'm not called just to be a preacher or a pastor. I was a man of God before I was that. And don't, again, don't put me on a different pedestal than you do yourself. Don't, your standards are not any different than mine. Listen, you want to know why I stand in the light? So you can see me for who I am, all of me. I have nothing to hide. You want to come ask me questions? Ask me questions. You want to come see my phone? Come see my phone. You want to see my Netflix account? Come see my Netflix account. I have nothing to hide because I'm walking in his light. I want to be a man of integrity. I want to be a man of honor. I want to be a man of character. I want to be the man that God has called me to be. And it doesn't matter what day it is. I'm going to live for him. turn on the lights. No matter what season, no matter what day, no matter what, no matter what my future may hold, no matter what my past may look like, I'm going to live for Jesus. Does that mean I'm perfect? No. Ask my wife. I fail sometimes. There are weak moments in my life, but can I tell you when I'm weak, I'm not going to hide them from her. Why? Because I would rather be a man of honor and integrity than be a man of manipulation and deceit. So, so let's be that. Let's do that. Let's walk in the light. Let's be who God's called us to be, church. Man, if, if he has provided an opportunity to be born again, Listen, can I tell you, 
and I'm gonna say this as, as mature as possible. It's, it's not meant to be disgusting or, or anything like that. But, but when we've had our, our children, and, and for those of you who have had kids, you know the birthing process is, is not pretty. It's, it's not. There's fluid in an ambiotic sack, and you gotta cut a little cord and stuff. Some of you mamas, you still need to cut that cord. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's my baby. He's 14, let him go. Let him go, let him grow. All the daddy said, amen. <laughs> but I, I, know, I know the process can be rather graphic. And can I tell you, when, when we have an altar moment or we have an altar experience, when we have this moment with Jesus, can I tell you a lot of times, it's not pretty. Jesus cleansing us. Come on, Jesus taking away the sin, the junk, the nastiness, the, when I'm just here at the altar and I'm letting God do work in my life, it's not gonna be pretty. And can I tell you, it doesn't often feel good, but can I tell you, it's necessary because I don't wanna hold anything back. I don't wanna hold on to anything. I wanna give it all to him. I wanna let him have it. I wanna let him take it. Why? Because he's a good, good father because he's a good daddy and he loves us and he loved us enough that he sent his only son to die for my sin and for my shame so he can take my sin he can take my guilt he can take my regret he can take everything and have this internal exchange in my life and it's not going to feel good it's not going to look good but how dare us sometimes, and again, I'm not trying to be graphic or, or, or disgusting, but how many times do we try to go back? How many times do we try to go back to that lifestyle before we were born again? It's not, it's not possible. So why do we try to do it? Why do we try to be like our old selves and our old life just because it feels good? Yes, being in the womb is nice and comfortable. Oh, it feels good. You can depend on anything and everything else. But God has called you to be born again, to walk in a new life with a fresh start, believing and trusting in Him. So let's walk in it. Let's live the lifestyle that he's called us to live. Jesus and Nicodemus were having this private conversation, but I'm so thankful that it was broadcast publicly for us to hear and to read, to glean from and to understand. I love how the Chosen series depicted it as if John were off to the side hearing this private conversation go down and he's just taking it all in. Now, again, that's not super biblical accurate, but, but it's a little extra biblical. Jesus could have later on told them, hey, listen to this conversation I had with Nicodemus. John, write this down. <laughs> because if he wouldn't have, then we wouldn't have John 3, 16, 17. We wouldn't have this casual conversation that has been so rich for us today. Listen, take it home and live this thing out. Don't let this just be words that we hear, but yet we don't implement. Wherever Jesus is calling me to go and represent him, I will go. I will say yes. I will walk in his light boldly and without hesitation. Because when I'm in his light, there's nothing about my life that he can't expose, that he can't see, 
God, I want you to see me for who I am, and I want you to be seen in my life and through my life and all that I do. Is that good? Every head bowed and every eye closed. You sit here today, and you would be very honest and open right now and just admit that you've probably been born again You've probably experienced his salvation before, but you'd be very transparent and say, I'm really not living in the light like I should. Maybe the the spotlight of God is is on your life, but, but yet we often walk in and out of it freely without hesitation, living one way and living another almost as if we're riding the fence quote unquote I've probably heard that phrase before <clears throat> excuse me but yet today you know that Jesus wants to do something new something fresh in your life and not just to do it for today but to let this moment mean something more than just the one moment that he would put some mileage behind this commitment that you're about to make that you will continue to walk in it. You see, the problem with Nicodemus is that he came as a, as a Pharisee, he came as a religious leader in that conversation, and he left the same way that he came in. But today we have an opportunity for a new start, for something fresh. Jesus said this on purpose, even though it took Nicodemus, it took him a little while to try to understand Let's not take this for granted today. Let's not take this lightly today. You sit here and you want to know Jesus. You need to know Jesus for the first time or for the hundredth time, whatever it looks like for you. Would you just simply open up your hands in your lap right where you are like you're about to receive a gift. You don't have to raise, we don't want to embarrass you. You don't have to raise your hand or anything like that. But right where you are, Jesus wants to pour his love on you right now. Come on, church, can we pray this prayer together out loud? Every person that has their hands open and every person that's not, let's pray this prayer together out loud as a family. Jesus, we love you and we need you. I repent of my sin and I let go of my past. Have your way in me. Take my life, make it yours. I will live this life how you see fit. I will follow you with all that I am. I will walk in your light and I will live this light out. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. I love you and I will live for you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, come on, give Jesus some praise.